Glory be to God. Would you please take, get your Bibles out, your pads and everything ready for the Word of God. I want to welcome our executive pastor, Pastor Ron, to the podium after the message. Welcome him. Give God a hand for him. Hallelujah. God bless you. About four weeks ago, I began a sort of a mini-series that I want to move to again today and hopefully get completely through it. I'll be reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and I will read the first 12 verses. Wonderful to be able to be in church. Uh, not everybody's able to be here today. A dear friend of ours from uh, the first church we pastored, beginning in 1970, 50 years ago. Um, we have remained close to him and his family. And uh, he didn't have COVID, but he went to be with the Lord. Uh, yesterday or day before yesterday, I, I think it was yesterday, a uh, wonderful man of the Lord that God used to bless many people's lives. And uh, oddly enough, he died of what I came that close to dying with four or five years ago now. They used to call it blood poisoning. Now they call it sepsis. I think they can charge you more if it's sepsis because it sounds official and, and all, but... He's with the Lord, with his wife there in heaven, and we're going to see him again very soon. We don't know just when, but very soon. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I'll be reading from the King James. Very important uh, message that uh, has been forming in my heart for a number of weeks now. Keep thy foot or watch your step when you go to the house of God and be more ready to hear and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil. Verse 2, be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Now that's something we need to give attention to. Listen to it again. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For he is in heaven and you upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be true, be few, pardon me. Therefore, let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known how? By the multitude of words. God help us. 
That's just as much in the Bible as John 3.16 is. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. Verse 4. When thou vowest a vow unto God. You know, people, when they're in desperate circumstances, they tell the Lord, many of them tell the Lord, if you'll just get me out of this, I will serve you with all my heart and soul and mind strength for the rest of my life. Well, there's some advice for us here. When you make a vow unto God, do not defer to pay it. For he that hath For he hath no pleasure in fools. A person is a fool who says to God, if you will just help me out of this mess, I'll do anything you want me to do. Go anywhere you want me to go. Say anything you want me to say and be whatever you want me to be. God's word says that man is a foolish man. Hallelujah. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error or you made a mistake. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? Verse 7, for in the multitude of dreams And many words, and many words, there are also many different kinds of vanities, but you fear God. If you see the oppression of the poor, and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a place, a province, marvel not at the matter. For he that is higher than the highest is watching, therefore be higher than they. Moreover, the prophet of the earth is for all. The king himself is served. The king himself is served by the field. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Father, help me in these moments. Help me in these moments, Lord, to see clearly myself because I can't help people see if I don't see. I can't help people see if I don't see. So let my vision be clear this morning, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would cause men and women from the outset of this message where we go over what we already have covered and then move from there into some new territory. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that you would help us to give ear to the Word of God today, O Lord, and may it continue with us day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. In Jesus' name I pray, and I thank you for it, Lord. Amen. 
Solomon is the person who said, all is vanity. All is vanity. And as peculiar as it sounds, that can sometimes be true even of our worship. In chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, there is a warning of faults. F-A-U-L-T-S. There is a warning of faults in worship which can sometimes make our worship to be unreal, empty, and fruitless. Let me say that again. There is a warning of faults in worship which can sometimes make it to be unreal, empty, and fruitless. And none of us want that to be true. All of us want our worship to be fruitful and fragrant in the, in the presence of the Lord as He receives our worship. But there are some things that we need to look at from God's Word this morning. Some of you weren't here um, a month ago today, I think it was. But I want to fill you in and then we'll move forward. To prevent our worship from moving in the direction of vanity, the Scripture challenges us in three areas. Some of you know what they are because you've been looking at your notes. Some of you don't. Number one, we are challenged in the area of going to the house of God. He said, keep thy foot or watch thy step when thou goest to the house of God. Secondly, we are challenged in the area of presenting our prayers once we get to the house of God. And thirdly, leaving the house of God and going back into our normal daily life. God's word tells us that we should be careful. That we would allow our lives to be challenged when going to the house of God. When offering prayers in the house of God and when leaving the house of God and returning to ordinary life. Or to put it another way, the writer cautions, uh, cautions us, the writer cautions us in our conduct before, during, and after public worship. None of us want to do, have anything to do with faults in this area. But sometimes we need some training. We need somebody to come alongside of us and point out some things that maybe we haven't seen. Those who are included, whose worship is marred, whose worship is marred by the errors spoken of in our text, would create the need almost immediately for a building program in any church. That's what they used to call them. I don't think we'd call them that today. But the faults that are shown to us in this passage from God's Word, those same faults that Solomon was speaking about under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit thousands of years ago, those same faults are flourishing in the church of Jesus Christ even today. They haunt they haunt Christianity 
and they have done so all the way back before Christianity, even in the days of Judaism. Now, if, and that's a big if, if we could bar the doors of the church from these, there would be fewer complaints of the poor results of a lot of Christian prayer and Christian preaching. Brother Denham, that is important. Thank you for not leaving that out. If you haven't already written this down, I would like you to write this down. Fruitful, fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins. Amen. Fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it actually begins. You say, well, Ron, what do you mean by that? Some of you know. The text begins with the conduct of the worshiper on their way to the house of God. It says, watch your step. Don't be careless in going to the house of God. And we're going to talk about some, real briefly, we're going to talk about a couple of things that fall in that category. He says, watch your step when you go to the house of God. What does that mean? It means we are to go to the house of God deliberately and thoughtfully and in the realization of what we are about and what we are doing. Three things. We're to go to the house of God to worship the Lord. Go deliberately, thoughtfully, and with the realization of what we are about to do. And then we are to draw near to hear. We're to draw near to hear. I never will forget going to a church in uh, the state of Georgia with Ron McGee. And Ron was pastoring a church there. I won't tell you where it was. It doesn't really matter. But this man comes down. In those days, we all came to the altar after church. And uh, some slept and some prayed. Some. But this, this guy, this older guy, came and he got right down in the center, front and center. And he started praying and it was so loud it would burst, I almost said bust, it would burst your eardrums. And he prayed quite a while that way. And I said to Ron, that guy's a devil, isn't he? He said, oh yeah, he is. This matter of approaching our Father in heaven, this matter of coming before our Lord Jesus, this matter of the Holy Spirit is very, very real and very important. And we should be deliberate in our worship. We should be faithful in our worship. As we go... We're to think carefully about what our purpose is in going. Is it, is it to try to help people see how spiritual we are and how knowledgeable we are? Is that why we go to church? I hope it's not. I don't think it is. God help us. We're not supposed to put on a show. We're supposed to come purposefully, deliberately, 
bow before our Lord. Bow before Him. Our forefathers began Sunday on Saturday. Our forefathers began Sunday on Saturday night. That is, they began preparing themselves to receive from God. I think that's a custom we need to bring back. The difference between us and them may be that the influence of what happened on Sunday because of what was going on on Saturday reached over into Monday. A lot of folks come in the house of the Lord. We call it the house of the Lord. They come into the house of the Lord and after an hour is gone, they, they're on their way and they don't remember anything that was said. Now you probably won't believe this, but in almost any church, you could have the people to listen to the Word of God and go stand at the door and say, now what was the subject this morning? And most of them could not tell you. Something is wrong when that is true. And I believe the thing that is wrong is we don't have the right preparation. We're not spiritually ready. And we have to get Jordan to try to bring us all up together and get us all where we're, by the time the praise and worship is over, we're at least in some condition. Now, I'm not, I don't mean this of everyone, but I know that uh, in 50 years of pastoring, I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. God help us. God help us that Saturday night would be a time when we are getting ready for the most important event of our lives to come and bless the Lord, to come and worship the one who gave his son to die on that cross that you and I might be saved. God help us. God help us. What likelihood is there that much good will come out of worship if we come having talked about everything and everybody except the Lord. I'm going to move on quickly from that. Many years ago, in the United States of America, many years ago, some businessmen would bring their newspaper and read the paper while the preacher was preaching. You say, well, I can't believe that. Well, I'm sorry, but it's true. A man that bought a house for his daughter from Judy and I told me, he said, you know, Pastor Denham, he had never been to our church. He only knew me through business. We were selling them a house. He said, you know, I was sitting in church the other day and I, I was wondering what in the world can I do to make better investments? And he said, while I was sitting there, it dawned on me that I could turn that less than an acre lot that I have, I own it, my name's on the deed, it's less than an acre, 
But if I turn that into a cemetery and sell lots, I can make $750,000 off of that one piece of property. Now, there's nothing wrong with investing, and we probably should invest. But when we take the time that is supposed to be like a holy time, an important time, and we fill our thoughts with what's going to happen, what happened last week, and what's going to happen this week, and how we want to be situated. We see all these commercials on TV, and they, they want to get you thinking about how much money you actually need to be able to retire. That's important, too. But it's not important when we're in the place of worship before the Lord. God help us. God help us. If our heart, if our heart has not received the due of meditation on the things of God, on the things the Lord has done or is doing, if our hearts are not receiving the due of meditation to prepare our heart so that it is pliable, so that it can receive the due from meditation we are not likely to drink in much of the showers of blessing falling all around us. I want to talk just quickly, briefly about some different types of worshipers. Number one can be called the formal worshipers. The formal worshiper. The formal worshiper is a person who goes to the house of God because that's what we do on Sunday. We've always done that on Sunday. You ask them, why do you go? Well, my family was raised in this church and uh, we've gone to church almost every Sunday all those years. I don't know why I'm being nostalgic this morning, but they used to give pens out. At least in Assembly of God churches, you've got pens for how many times you had been in a row at that church. And some people live for that. They're formal worshipers. There's a better reason to go to the house of God and worship the Lord. There's a better reason than just that's what we've done all our lives. Second class of worshipers is the curious worshiper. What does that mean? Those folks go to hear, but they go to hear a man. They do not come to hear God. We ought to come every Sunday asking God to speak to us. Asking God to speak to us today through whoever is bringing the word and beyond that. Jesus did not die just to give you or me our paid-up fire insurance. We're not going to bust hell wide open. He wants you and I to have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. And the only way I know to have that 
is by taking time to get before the Lord. Maybe you might want to practice something that I try to do. I don't do it all the time. I don't remember to do it all the time. But I like to say to the Lord when I get up and get my first cup of coffee, I get cook it, put it in the microwave for 55 seconds, and I start drinking my coffee. And what, what I want to do faithfully is to say, Father, what do you have to say to me today? Some people, they're, the totality of their walk with God is they go down their list, their shopping list, that they want God to do this and do this and do this and don't do that and do this and this and this. It ain't supposed to be that way. You see, God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. And He wants to speak to you today. Not just on Sundays. He wants to speak to us regularly. And there's nothing like it in the whole world. Nothing like it. There's nothing like it in the whole world. Then there are the outward worshipers. The outward worshipers who make up the majority of people in every Christian church. Drawing near with the right purpose is much better than being near with the wrong purpose. Let me say that again. Drawing near with the right purpose in mind. Let's start doing this if we're not already. Let's start coming every time. Coming, drawing near to the, <clears throat> excuse me, to the Lord with the right purpose. We're coming not to see if the songs are going to be better than they were last Sunday. Or any such thing as that. But coming Drawing near to him because he wants to talk to us. When he talks to you, something happens. When he talks to me, I get something. I learn something. I get something from him. You say, well, that's because you're 50 years of preaching. No, it's not. No, it's not. You see, they talked a lot about what I'm talking about when I was a little kid. And I, I would take my little Bible, little testament, and read something and make a little note. Put a note in the margin. I don't know how, how much I received but I'll tell you this, if you will make time for Jesus in your life every day, when you come on Sunday, you won't be a person that is weighing the pastor down. You will be a person that is full of God's spirit and God's word, and you will be ministering life to people around you without even trying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No matter how much we go to the house of God, 
if we go with unprepared hearts and unprepared minds, we will not learn and we will remain ignorant. And because we are ignorant, our sacrifices will be evil. How many of us take more time to decide what we're going to wear on Sunday? Lord, help us. I'll go put something on. Judy says that that doesn't work. Go back, find something else. So that's not my fault, see, if she she does that. But how many of us, we take more time getting prepared outwardly rather than preparing inwardly. Secondly, we have direction for our conduct in the act of worship itself. The exact same thoughtfulness which kept the foot in coming to the house of God should keep us in church, in check, in church, when in the house of God. Think about what you do. Think about what you do. Think about why you raise your hands. Think about it. It's not just going through a form. We are in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We need to think about what we do. That old guy I told you about, he didn't think about what he did. He was too obsessed with trying to impress somebody with what a great man of God he was. And according to his pastor, he wasn't that at all. His greatness, his exaltation, and our lowliness should keep in check our having hasty words. Blurting out surface wishes from an unprepared heart is not good. Not at all. What is condemned in the scripture is words which travel faster than our thoughts. If some people stopped and thought about some of the things they do when they go to the house of God, they might very well change what they do. That mouth, that mouth is not rash, which waits to speak until the ear has heard. That's very important. That mouth is not rash which waits to seek to speak until that ear has heard. He said, let thy words be few. If he says, let thy words be few, that's what he meant to say. That's what he meant to say. That th- it's the heathen who believe that they will be heard for their much Speaking. It's not necessary to tell God our, de- our desires in detail. He already knows before we pray. He already knows. The shortest prayer 
the shortest prayer, which is not made alive by a consciousness of need and desire, is too long. The scripture is very clear. Wordy prayers, wordy prayers make the one praying a fool and his prayer unacceptable. How many of you have heard of a group of scriptures in the book of Psalms? Um, I'm thinking of a particular group of scriptures. I was asked to teach one time on the songs of degrees. I thought, well, you know what? I need to find some answer for what that really is. If you go to Psalm 120 and follow that, those Psalms to Psalm 134, you have read, at least read, the Psalms or songs of degrees. You say, well, why does that matter? Well, the reason it matters is because it's in God's Word. You say, well, what does it mean? What is it? It's very simple. Those were the Psalms that Israel took with them when they left their homes, when they left their homes and went up to the temple, which took quite a while to get there. They took those songs or Psalms And they sang them, or they spoke them, quoted them. Why did they do that? Because that was how God saw, Pastor, that it would, we would be prepared. They would be prepared. See, this goes way back before just a day or two ago. This goes way back. The leadership of Israel said, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to spend our time gossiping or criticizing or some other things we could stick in that same line. But if you read them, at least read some of them this afternoon, you'll see that what I'm telling you is true. And it is very, very important. Here's where it started. They're on the way to the temple. And this is where it started. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto me or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Now, that may not mean anything to us today, but it meant something to those people. Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And this is probably the pastor's favorite passage in the Bible. It's the second of the Song of Degrees. I will lift up mine eyes. I don't know if you know this, but from what I understand, I've never been there, but from what I understand, it was almost like a little incline all the way from where they lived to the temple. 
And he said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. He'll preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And then they move into Psalm 122. And here's how it starts off. I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Listen, God knows best. He knows everything. He knows best. And he knows that if you and I will take the time to apply ourselves to what we hear on Sunday, like I'm saying to you this morning, and we will implement change, we'll still make mistakes. We'll still forget. We'll still have a week go by and we realize we really haven't fellowshiped with the Lord. See, God is not interested in looking back. Abby, he looks forward. He wants you to look forward. He wants me to look forward. He wants us to be looking unto the hills from whence comes our help. God has those Jewish people, God had them not to be whiling the time away. Time is one thing we don't have a lot of. I said to someone recently, if I knew what town I was going to die in, I'd never go within 500 miles of it. You say, well, you don't want to go to heaven? Yeah, when I die, but I'm not ready to die. They're getting up a load. I'm going to wait on the next load. A young man, a young man who lived in Panama City, Florida, where I was born and raised, and we knew each other a little bit. He got saved when he was a teenager, probably 14, 15 years old. He got really born again and began reading the Bible and praying and maybe trying to testify to a friend of his about what is happening in his life. And he was called to preach. He was called to preach. So that meant at least for him and, and also for myself, that, you know, you go and get prepared. You go and submit yourself to people like Arthur Graves, who's one of the greatest Christians probably ever. You go to a place. Now it's getting to where you can't afford to go. You have to let them come to you by way of, the, of your iPad or whatever. But in those days... What you did, if you were called to preach, you know in your heart that God has called you, you went to Bible school. That's what we did. We happened to be at Bible school at the same time. 
is a very brilliant man. Very brilliant, very diligent, a lot of good things. But he started becoming spiritually dry. Now, if you've been saved very long, you have had at least an experience or two where you realized that you were drying up. And that's what this man began to experience. Just maybe 20 years old, something like that. But he began becoming concerned. Listen, if you are becoming spiritually dry, you should be concerned. One of the things that is a fault in the church is that people find themselves where this man found himself, and they just think, well, I didn't think it would last. I thought it was all too good to be true. And they just go on, walk in and out of the church, because that's what we do every Sunday. But he, he wanted some answers. So he started going to the old tabernacle, which is where we had our, our congregation of people that were um, in, the, in, in training for ministry. He started going over there after he told his girlfriend goodnight. He'd go and kneel at the altar. I guess he had a little flashlight or something, but he opened his Bible to the 119th Psalm. 175 verses. And he felt in his heart that what he needed to do was pray Psalm 119. You know, I would have started with the one that had maybe five verses, but he started praying his way through Psalm 119. Did it every night for 180 nights. I don't know how that sounds to you, but it sounds to me like determination. He's dry. Just dry. Prayed his way through that psalm for 180 nights. And he told me that a river of revelation began when 180 days went by. A river of revelation began coming. And his name is Ed Nelson. And many of you have heard him preach. One of the finest ministers of the gospel that I've ever known in my life. God said, keep your foot when you are going to the house of God. Keep your foot when you're in the house of God. I don't know whether to tell this or not, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it as simply as I can. 
years ago, there was a lady that was part of the church that I was pastoring. And I think she was sincere. But just when the Spirit of the Lord would be moving on the people, particularly on sinners, she would start getting real loud, uh, kind of like speaking in tongues, real loud. And I've already said, I, I think there was some sincerity there. I don't, she wasn't a drunk or anything like that. And no pastor had ever tried to help her see that what she was doing could not be the Spirit of God. Because when God is drawing sinners to himself, that would be stupid, wouldn't it? I can still remember a lady who had started coming to our church, and she, I could see her. And she had her little girl with her, and she was so excited about being in this church, that church. And just when I said, would you please bow your heads, this lady started that again. And I walked down to her, and I tapped her on the arm, and I said, you, you have to stop doing that. And she said, nobody has ever tried to stop me. And you're not going to stop me. How many can see that if, if Ecclesiastes chapter 5 means what it says, there's a problem there. One of our professors at Southeastern used to say, your freedom ends where my nose begins. We need to be careful what we do and what we say. We need to be careful, even when we're in the house of the Lord, that we don't infringe on the rights of others. These guys came running to, was it Moses? And they said, Master, there's... Some people over there that are not with us. They're not with us. And they are prophesying. Tell them to stop it. You know what Moses said? Envious thou for my sake? He said, would to God that all the Lord's people were prophets. All the Lord's people. See, they, they didn't want something happening that wasn't uh, looking good on them. And Moses said, you don't have to be envious for my sake. I would to God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that he would put his spirit upon them. This thing matters to God. It matters to God. It matters to God. I'm, I'm honestly going to quit in a minute, but um, it matters to God. It matters to God. When I was a little boy, people would 
would uh, get saved, start coming to the church, and maybe be baptized in the Spirit. And uh, they would do similar things to what I talked about that lady. And their excuse was, I can't help it when the Holy Spirit comes on me. I can't help it. I get loud and I speak in tongues and all that. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Pastor didn't ask me to say any of this. And he may tell me I'm going to have to take a couple of months off or something. If he's got a place at the bees, I, I could do that. We come together for the purpose of glorifying God, worshiping our Father. And we shouldn't let anything, we shouldn't let anything get us off that course. We are here to worship you, Lord. We're here to worship you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you give me the courage to say the things that you've said to me. You said what you hear in the ear, that preach. What you hear in the ear, that preach. And I've done my best to give the word of God to your people, Lord. I pray that it would be received in the spirit in which I've given it. Not a mean, know-it-all crazy thing Lord that's your word your word says all scripture all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable I pray that you would cause your people to receive the word and to think on it some this afternoon and evening thank you that we don't have a free for all going in our church Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we have people who come who are hungry for you and hungry for the Scriptures. I bless you for that, Father. But, Lord, there is the, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. We want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? In just a moment, pastor's going to come and he's going to lead us in uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper. Would you take just a minute right there, quietly? You don't have to move your lips. You don't have to do anything. But would you say to the Lord, I want to take this message seriously. I want to see change in my life that I might not have seen if I hadn't heard this word. I wish I could tell you that that lady said, okay, I'm sorry, Pastor. About three or four years later, her aunt called me. No. Her niece called me. Said, would you go and see Aunt so-and-so? She's in the hospital. She has cancer all in her face. 
I said, I'd be glad to. When I walked down the hall and stood in the door, she said, it's just me and Jesus. No, it's not just me and Jesus. God wants us to walk together. God wants us to walk together. He wants to minister to you and to me and through you and through me. That's what he wants to do. That's what the church is about. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are the Lord. You're God and I'm not. You're God and I'm not. Help us, Lord, to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor, it's all yours. As you stand, would you take your emblems that are behind your seat, open those up. If you're at home, we want you to participate with us. You may not have the nicety of custom-made emblem, but you can get you symbolic piece of bread not a big slice it's not dinner just a little piece and a little bit of juice now I'm going to read 1st Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 32 which is a repeat by Paul of what Jesus had already said in the uh, New Testament of Matthew J, uh, Luke Mark about this thing this, this celebration of the Lord's Supper it says in verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11 for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which was broken for you do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, 
drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim the validity, the truth that he went through the process, that he gave up his physical body to death as recompense, as payment for our sin. Took it to the grave, stayed there three days, and on the third day arose. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of the Lord's body and blood. This means that before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, there needs to be a moment of true repentance by yourself, quietly, you and God. And you say, Father, whatever is in me that has offended you, has hurt you, has disappointed you, has saddened you, has made you cry over my soul, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent. I want you closer, not further away from me. I repent. I repent. I repent. For this reason, many are weak and sick among us and sleep or die. Those that don't repent. For if we would judge ourselves, if we would remember and repent for the things that we know we've done, and then ask God to help us with the things we don't remember, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastised by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. I thank God that he died for us. Would you take the bread? Father, we bless these emblems. Bring back to our memories, imprinted in our minds, stamp it on our spirits. The enormous price that you paid for our sin. The enormous price that was given for our redemption that you did not have to give, but you did it anyway because of your love. We bless you today and we confess anything that keeps us away from you, separated from you. We put it onto your blood as we celebrate your supper, communing with each other and together with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you take the bread? Juice represents the blood that came from our Lord's body. This was nailed to the cross. The soldier came and drove that spear 
into his lower stomach. Blood came running out. And in that moment, he could have called 10,000 angels to take him out of this horrid position. But he said the price must be paid. And because of his blood, we're healed. Hallelujah. Because of his blood, I'm healed. Hallelujah. Would you celebrate with me and drink your juice representing the blood? Would you thank God for your healing this morning? Would you thank God for your deliverance this morning? Would you thank God for your breakthrough this morning? Would you thank God for a new day this morning? Hallelujah. 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 If you don't know anything else, just tell him hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. We're closing it out on a hallelujah note. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for your word. Hallelujah for your servant that was used. Hallelujah for the, the emblems that represent what you did on Calvary for us. Hallelujah for cleansing and washing and purifying. Hallelujah for the blood that never lost its power. Hallelujah for the blood that worked on everything. We can say the blood of Jesus when we're sick. We can say the blood of Jesus when we're in need. We can say the blood of Jesus when things are bad or when things are good. We can say the blood of Jesus when we're up or when we're down. We can say the blood of Jesus. And you will come through for us. You will come through like you've done already. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for allowing us the privilege of being here this morning. Hearing your word and celebrating the Lord's Supper on this, the first Sunday of December. Father, we are preparing ourselves for the new year. And you have already given me a forecast of what you would want to do. And that forecast is that 2021 is the, the year of release. 2021 is our year of release. 2021 is the year of release. 2021 is the year of release. 2021 is the year of release. We speak release in our finances. We speak release in our health. We speak re release in our economic situation. We speak release in our families. We speak release in everything that binds and breaks. And, and you are restoring God. We believe by faith that this Christmas will be the launching pad into relief and release for 2021. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for touching every person on our streaming network. Every person that gave their life to Jesus. Father, thank you for working in their heart. Thank you for ministering, God. Cover us. Bring us back, oh Father, on Wednesday night, both in the building and in our streaming network, as we study your word, as we encourage ourselves in the Lord. 
take honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. May God bless you. May his face shine upon you. May the glory of the Lord saturate your home and lives now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you online, on streaming. Thank you, congregation. God bless you. Use your social distancing, but make sure you greet your brother or sister before you go. Don't come in and go out without greeting someone, saying God bless you.